Why do you stand off afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots for the, which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. And for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. In secret places, he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws him into his net. So he crouches. He lies low that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. Arise, O Lord, O God. Lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. But you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief, to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his hand. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear, to do justice to the fatherless and to and the oppressed, that the man of earth may oppress no more. Tony. So the Lord is king. Um, I was trying to remember that when I saw the falcon on fire. <laughs> Rachel said to me one time, she said, you know, if I had your job, I think I'd take up drinking. <laughs> so I says, how do you know I haven't? <laughs> but anyway, there are moments in time, you know, where, you know, as a pastor, you need some kind of a therapy thing, an outlet. So what I've done over the years is work on things. Dale always knew when I was hyper frustrated because I would tear the house apart and rebuild something. But then I kind of got into old cars, and I enjoyed working on them because it was just good mental exercise to shift from one thing to another. And probably everybody has a hobby of some kind. When you're stressed, that's what you do. But, you know, when you face the why questions in life, you, sometimes you don't want to think about it, so you have to have something else to do. 
So anyway, what happened with the car, because I know you're all wondering, <clears throat> as I've been working on it for several months, and Jacob has helped me, and Greg has helped me, and probably been a few others in and out of the garage, and I rebuilt all the floorboards because they were rotted out in the back end of the car and all new metal and fixed it all. But it's hard to get under a car when it's on a garage floor, so I took it to Joe's shop. We put it up on a hoist, and he was welding away in there, and we were getting close to being done welding the belly on the front part of the car. And I looked up and I saw the smoke and I says, oh no, it's on fire. How did it catch on fire? There, I mean, it's just bare metal. There's no, Well, I forgot I had set my tool bag in there. <laughs> the uh, brand new radiator hoses were in there. The $50 sending unit for the gas tank was in a cardboard box in there. And when you weld things, you know, on one side, the back side of it gets red hot. It'll burn, and it caught everything on fire, and it smoldered for a while. I saw it when it was in the smoldering stage, but by the time we got the hoist down, it had broke out into full flames. So we got the extinguisher, and we were putting this fire out. And the, the, if you've been to Joe's shop, it's pretty good size, and 20-foot ceiling. The whole shop was full of smoke. We, when we got outside finally after putting it out, we were sucking air trying to, you know. But we hit the key and it rolled over, so I don't think we melted all the wiring down. But in moments like that, and that's a, probably a dumb illustration, but since it came up, we'll use it. When trouble comes, you ask the question, why? Why, why, why? <clears throat> How many of you remember 1843? It's a good year. Historically, a couple of really big events happened, one of which was this guy who was a writer. <clears throat> he had a hard time coming up with a story, writer's block, whatever. But he made his living by writing these stories. So he's trying to, and his debt collectors are coming, you know, and his wife is upgrading the house, and he has no money to pay for this stuff. And his editors are saying, where's the book, man? Come on, where's the stuff we got? And he just, nothing's happening. And anyway, through this really hardship, this struggle all summer long and all fall, all of a sudden he received this inspiration that caused him to go and lock himself in the study and write for several days. And then around Thanksgiving time, I think it was, the book was published. It was called Dickens' Christmas Carol, which is a fabulous book. If you've not read it, you should get a copy of the original one and read it. It's not real long. But it's just about Scrooge and money and pride and self and me, 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 which is a lot what the psalm is about. But if Dickens hadn't come to his why questions, would we have the Christmas Carol? So the next thing, I, I printed out a little flyer. We're going to sing the hymn that's in that little flyer at the end tonight. But Hor Horatius Bonar, I think his name is, in 1843, the Church of Scotland split. They had such a major problem. It was called the disruption. And he, as a pastor in the church and the denomination, everything is on the line. His life, his livelihood, you know, it's all. It's like, and I have to make a stand for Christ because the church isn't doing the right thing there. The denomination wasn't going the right way, and I can't go along with this program. And so he left and went with a new group called, uh, it's in the bulletin there, I wrote it down, the Free Church of Scotland. That's what it was. <clears throat> 
And then he went on to start a tract publishing company where they wrote Bible stories and would hand them out to people. So he kept preaching and he kept writing and he became a hymn writer. And then three years later, after all of that struggle, he wrote this hymn, which is based on Matthew 11:28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And he wrote this hymn. We're going to sing it at the end. It's, it's old. It's not one I really, I haven't known it very well, but since I have in the last few days come to hear it a few times, I really like this old hymn. We're going to try to learn it and sing it more often in the future. But uh, Horace there, he had his why question. I think, why is the church blowing up? What, what is going on? What, what's this all about? Why, why, why? And David had this same issue, and that's where we get to verse 1 of chapter 10. He says, talking to the Lord, he says, Why do you stand afar off, Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? It's probably our biggest question, and it will continue to be our biggest question is why. How many of you went in deep trouble in a hard time you know, sickness or health, better or worse, whatever, that whole thing that we say sometimes at weddings. Did you ever ask the question, God, why? What's, what, what is, why? What's going on? We do. It's a human thing. And it's something that comes up time and time again. Why are you so far off? How come, Lord, if you're really king, if you're really in charge of things, why are we doing this right now? In my life, why, why am I caught up in this thing? Why do I have to go through this thing? Well, it all started in the garden. Chapter 3 of Genesis, you might remember the story. God says, okay, don't touch that tree. But all the rest of them you can have. Do what you want with them. Enjoy it, eat it, pick it, cut it up, build a house, whatever. It's yours. Don't touch that one. You know what Adam was thinking? What would you be thinking? Why? Exactly. What? I can have all this, but why not that one? What's the deal? What's going on with this tree? What's up with this tree? I, 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 thanks for all these, but what's up with this one? Why? 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 It's like, you greedy little monster. I mean... I'm giving you all the rest. Well, what was that about? It was Adam's why test, really. It was just a faith test. It was just an opportunity for Adam to trust his maker. But instead, he came to the idea of, uh, I think I can do this. I think when he goes to bed, I'll slip over in the garden. Hey, Eve. He told me not to eat it, so why don't you go over there and pick it? It was a setup. Everybody says it was a snake. I think it was her husband. Any of you women agree with that program? <laughs> now, the Bible says that Eve went there, and she was deceived by the serpent. And Timothy, I think when Paul was writing to Timothy, he says Eve was deceived. She was tricked. But we also know from the story that when she picked it, she ate it, and she turned around and handed it to the dude that was with her. And he ate it also. But I'm thinking in Adam's mind, why can't we? 
and I think I can, and he did. He went ahead and tried it. And in, in essence, in that moment, he said, I am enough to do life my way in this garden. I can, and I will, and that's what he did. I'll be first. I am the first one. When uh, we were sometime later born, we could all say that as far as men, that we are sons of Adam, and as far as women, you are daughters of Eve. The patterns are similar. And we have the same kind of testing. You know, the trouble comes, and we wonder why. I mean, think of all the blessings that we've had. Isn't that enough? So you have, you're having one rough day. One hard thing. Usually it's the small things that eat the... I mean, since my car caught on fire, I can't sleep. It's not that big of a deal. It's a piece of junk, really. We're trying to rescue it. But how many little problems have just completely derailed your life? And you say, why? And then there are bigger things, you know, like cancer and whatever. I mean, there's bigger problems, but we sometimes tend to ease into those a little bit more faithfully. But still, the questions are always there. Why? 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 So Adam, in his faith testing, he had his why tree, but when he failed in that moment, chaos erupted in the planet, otherwise known as sin. And this chaos is what you and I are wrestling with on a regular basis. It isn't so much a test of don't touch the tree or whatever. It's more of a test, what do we do with the stuff that's going on in life? Because a lot of the stuff that goes on in life, the chaos is beating us to death, it seems like and disturbing our faith and disrupting our lives like it did for Horus. The disruption of things because of the chaos that was released when Adam said, I can and I'll be first. And now we're left with the same questions. Yes, I can and I will be first too. I'm going to do it my way. And that's just how it's going to be because where are you in all of this, oh God? What have you done for me lately? Because I'm all down here by myself, and I don't like the situation, so I might just as well take it into my own hands, and away we go. We've done the same thing that Adam and Eve did in those moments. I think the, the big test is really still in place for us. The whys keep coming. Now, when you, when you have a why question, it's not really a bad thing. I don't think David was doing something wrong when he asked God about these things. It should be a red light on the dashboard. Hopefully your car won't catch on fire when it comes on, but you know, it should be a warning that there's a problem. If I'm having all kinds of why, why, why questions for God to answer, maybe the answer is, do you trust me? Maybe the answer is, we don't have to have explanations for everything that goes on in this chaotic world. What we have is faith in the king. Trust him. It's our opportunity to trust. And if we don't fail, we're in good shape. But this is our opportunity to be tested. How will... The Lord knows everything. This is a dumb question. But how will the Lord know if we're faithful, if we're not tested? Isn't 
John says, your faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We're in the world. We're in the chaos. Are we trusting him to get us through? Where's the faith element? If there were no chaos, what good would faith? You wouldn't need it. What good would faith be? So there's something about this whole program, this inner feelings and emotions of things of life when it's coming at us really fast. When we're having the dash lights come on saying, why, why, why? The simple answer is, I know why, Lord, because it's an opportunity for me to trust you today. And go forward. Do the best you can. Now, God came to Adam. He says, look, I'm going to take care of the problem here. I'm going to... You know, you, you broke the commandment, and the consequence is death, but I'm going to take care of that. So there was a lamb, some animal anyway, that was sacrificed in Adam's place. Now, Adam and Eve were down in the bushes. They were making fig leaves, trying to stay warm with that program. It didn't work, but that's what they were up to. And they were, God came and he says, look, here's, here's a coat of fur, a covering. This will keep you warm in the elements because of the separation that's growing between us now, there's going to be more darkness and more cold nights and more chaos. But here's something to help you get through. And he gave them this covering of skin that would help Adam. Now the principle here is the principle of substitution. We've been singing about that all night. That Christ took our place, became our substitute, just like in Genesis for Adam. What Adam got helped him get through this world. What we get also helps us get through this world. We received his resurrection power, his righteousness, his covering for our lives. We have been, in a sense, provided for in spite of all the chaos and the struggles that we face on a day-to-day -day basis. God, in his grace, provided Adam and Eve with a covering to keep them. And Christ has done the same for us. Those who trust him are covered. He took care of that sin problem. And he's the only one who can do it. Adam could not do it. He deceived himself. I can do it. No, he can't. God did it for him. We deceive ourselves if we don't face the chaos and say, I can't do it. But I know that Christ can. In the world you'll have tribulation, but fear not, I've overcome the world. He can do it. Don't worry about the world and the chaos. Trust him. This is our why day. This is our why time. And he is the first and the last. He is the one. The why questions that we have have been replaced by trust and faith. It's all been being replaced by the opportunity to put trust and faith in God. So the questions come up, why do you stand afar off, Lord? And why do you hide in times of trouble? Why? Because Adam rebelled and told God to butt out. Mind your business. Leave me alone. I don't want you in my life. I'm down here in the bushes with Eve. We're making our own coverings. We're good. Leave us alone. You kind of get that feeling because the next thing that happened is God was not happy with that program. He went looking for him anyway. He said, Adam, where are you? Now, Adam chose to be left alone. Adam says, I can do it and I will. And the next thing that happens is they're put out of the garden. And it's not so much that the Lord said, great, have it your way. See you later. Goodbye. You're gone. Go on out there and see what it's like. 
But there is an element in there of when we choose not to trust and not to believe and not to walk with the Lord, we have chosen to live outside the relationship, outside the garden, to walk away from God and to live with our own ability. I can do it. I don't need you in my life. And that's where we spend our time then. And we wrestle with the chaos there. And then we turn around and say, why are you so far away? Why are you hiding? And the Lord's saying, oh, you're the descendant of that one guy who said, but out. I don't need you in my life. The reason I'm not in your life is because you're not interested in me. I'm not the one that moved. I'm still sitting on the same throne. Where are you, Adam? Adam, where are you? Where are we hiding? Where, what happened? What, what's our plan? I can do it, me first? That's not a very good plan. Let's see here. In a sense, God has said, I loved you very much and I took care of the problem. I'm the God who loves you. I can take care of you, but do you trust me? That's, that's the question. Do you trust me? And Adam was put out of the garden. He was forgiven. And then he had a couple of kids. And it's like, I don't know how old they were. The Bible probably tells us. But Adam and Eve, out of the garden, two boys. Cain says, why is his offering better than mine? Wasn't that his question? Why is his offering better than mine? I can do this. I'll take care of it. We'll eliminate one of the offerings. Mine will be the only one left. God will have to take it. Good plan. Boom. Rock, you're dead. Nobody banned rocks in those days. It's really strange. <clears throat> was that a political statement? <laughs> rocks are always killing people in the Bible. They stone people. They drop them from the tower. They're just, they should have outlawed them. There'd be more people living today. But the question Cain had was why? Why does his count mine doesn't? Why, God, are you taking his and not mine? And right away, I mean, it isn't, isn't even that long. And the problem continues and continues. And we struggle with the same question. Why? Why, why, why? It might be that we'll never have a good answer to the question. But just to quote another good old hymn, Trust and Obey. Or there's no other way to what? Yeah, trust and obey. Be happy in Jesus. And it, this is our time of testing. This is the place where we say, I'm man enough and I'm woman enough to know that I can't do it and it's not about me. That's where real men and real women show up. And when they start looking to God above saying, Lord, I need you in my life. Help me to live for you and love everybody else and go forward with our lives. The real question could be, why do I stand afar off? And why do I hide from him when I'm in trouble? You know, why aren't we running to him? Why aren't we seeking God more than we do? Why aren't we at least more aware when the red light of why comes on that we can say, Lord, I've got big questions, but I want to trust you until you show me the answers. 
and in the next life we'll be fine soon enough well done thanks amen just keep going I don't expect this life's going to get much easier than it has been already. Maybe for some of you it's been just a cakewalk, you know, and you really like your life and you're happy with all the riches and wealth and prosperity, you know, and the love. and It's all good, right? That's been my experience. So, nobody's smiling. It must be harder than I thought out there. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Isn't it just the why, 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 Lord? So if, if you're going to go shopping, so you go to the cupboard, you open up the cupboard, and you okay, I see I'm out of some things. Most of us who are modern people will say, Alexa, add to the shopping list. Two quarts of pears. Carl wants pears. Not really. Don't send pears. <laughs> But we open the cupboard to take inventory, see what's in there, to see what we're going to do, how we're going to make a little, you know. And, you know, if you're cooking something, like last night, you turn the three grease pot cookers going. And Tony and Phil and Kurt, they're cooking stuff, man. And we're all waiting because it's like supposed to eat at 6.30 and there's nothing coming out yet. We're all screaming, more fish. Well, they were waiting for the grease to boil, you know, to get hot enough to cook something. So we're, we're standing there, and we're all waiting, and every once in a while they're looking in the pot and they're checking the gauge. Why? You've got you to take inventory. You've got to figure out what needs to be done and when, because why isn't the food out here? And the cooks are saying, the, the oil's not hot yet. We're waiting for the oil. There was an answer to it, but the why question comes up all the time. So... Look into your own heart sometime. Check your own emotions and your own feelings and your own tears and your own laughter, all of it, and start asking, what's going on? Where's my faith? You know, is the why question beating the life out of me today? And what's going on, Lord? And even though you, we might not have an answer to what's going on, we know this. The Lord is king. And he knows why. And we can trust him. And it's a good test. It really is. It might be the hardest test you've ever been through, but trust me, there's a harder one coming tomorrow. Because, you know, when you rip flesh today, when you're lifting weights, it's going to heal, but it'll be sore tomorrow. And then if you're going to keep going, you're going to have to do it again. And a faith walk is the same way. Our trials get a little bit more difficult in a sense because we're always being disciplined and trained. And I mean disciplined in a good way, more like discipled into a stronger faith life. And if you're just content to have a weak faith life, then pray for no troubles. But if you're having troubles and you're wondering why, this is why. It's to grow faith muscle. That's why. And... That's a good thing, because this is the only time we get to do it. When we see Jesus in heaven, it's going to be like, where's the faith? Don't need it. There he is. I see him. You don't need faith when we get home. Faith is for the here and now. It says so in the Bible. Faith, hope, and love. Which one lasts forever? The love. The other two blow away. 
What's the hope? If you have the thing you've hoped for, it's gone. There's no faith, no hope in heaven. Just love. Because the king is there. So David starts this prayer with all of this in his mind. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he thought. <laughs> you can tell. But then he, he, he goes down this list of what, if you want to live without God, go ahead. But this is the kind of person you're going to become. If we don't pay attention to the why questions, the next few verses are what we are going to become. So I'm going to read down through these. And uh, Verse 2. <clears throat> the wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. The wicked boasts in his heart, heart's desires. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is not, God is in none of his thoughts. Start with the sin of pride. Now, should the falcon be resurrected and I can take it down to the car show, I will be a very proud car builder. And how will I know if I'm a really good car builder at the car show? Might win a trophy. So even if I didn't win a trophy, what else might happen? What's that? Oh, I might sell it. Yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. Hey, man, good job. That looks great. Yeah, people will come by and look at it. So the thing about pride, whether you can say it's good or bad pride, just pride in general, is that unless someone affirms it, it isn't really worth much. Unless people are paying attention to you, to you as a person, this pride thing doesn't amount. So the wicked, they want the respect they think they deserve in their pride. And they will kill to get it. They hurt people. Poor people, little people, baby people, children, whatever they need. <clears throat> and pride in and of itself as a sin, one of the major seven sins in the scripture, that pride is nothing to celebrate at all. Just nothing there to celebrate really. Because it's at the expense of others we maintain our pride. That's why I think the scripture talks so much about humility. Because every time I exalt myself, I'm abasing someone else. And it's risky business. So, pride. He outlines it quite well in this chapter 5, verse 5. He, this proud person, his ways are always prospering, and judgments are far above and out of his sight. As for all of his enemies, he sneers at them. You think, how is it that evil people are always prospering? Isn't that strange? I've heard business people say, well, the only way you can really get ahead in business is if you're crooked. I've heard people say that in the business world. Prospering. Life all about getting ahead. He said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I'm not changing. I like who I am, where I am, what I have. Doesn't matter who I've hurt to get there. I shall never be in adversity. Nobody's taking what I have. His mouth is full of cursing, deceit, and oppression. Under his tongue, 
trouble and iniquity. He sits in the lurking places of the village in secret. He murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait, catches the poor, and so he crouches. He lies low that the helpless may fall in his strength. He said in his heart, this, these are the kind of people who have said, I can do it me first. That's where Adam was headed in this direction. <clears throat> God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see. There is no God. I can get, I can get along without him. What about the believer? What should we be doing? You know, asking about our why questions, like David is doing in this psalm, he's praying to God, he's, Lord, why? And the difference between that and, Lord, why did you do, or why aren't you? I mean, it, the, the only difference in there is the motivation of our hearts. The one, just a good, honest, sincere question, God, what's going on? Why do I feel like you're so far away? And his answer, I guarantee you, will always be, just trust me. It's okay. Keep faith. But the wicked are not so. <clears throat> so you get to verse 12, and the psalmist continues his prayer. He's asking the Lord to step in yet. He says, Arise, Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Don't forget us, Lord. And he raises the third why question. Why did the wicked renounce God? Uh, and you, most of you know my story in the past. I was a burned out hippie. <clears throat> Drugs and whatever else went with that after Vietnam in 1972. 73, I started reading the Bible. But since then, I've often wondered, what is it people have against God? I wondered it about myself. Why did I fight God so much? in my unconverted days. I mean, does it make any sense to be angry with God about anything? Why are men so angry about God? What is that, like, slight your manhood or your femininity or something? I mean, what, what does that do? I am a follower of the Lord God Almighty. The king is my dad, you know? I mean, why is that? People are not interested why do the wicked renounce God? He's the wicked, he said in his heart. You'll not require an account. You're never going to hold me accountable. I don't even believe there is a God. He keeps praying, but you have seen. I know that you've seen, Lord. You observe the trouble and the grief. And I really trust that in a day to come, <clears throat> you'll repay it by your hand. Helplessness commits him. The helpless commit himself to you. That's a trust statement. And the sooner we get to the point where we realize, I can't do it, and it's not about me first, then we can begin to trust him. And he is basically committed to taking care of us in that. You are the helper of the fatherless, and I can't, I can't do it. The helpless commits himself to God. So the sooner we acknowledge our position as totally disrupted by the chaos and there's nothing I can do about the sin question of my own life, 
the sooner I can come to God Almighty for the answer and the cure. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out the wickedness until you find none. Please, God, come and deliver us. We in the New Testament era say, Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Last verse of Revelation. The great statement, The Lord is King forever. The nations have perished out of his land. The nations don't count. And yet on both sides of the aisle, people are so concerned that the government is going to fix the problem. If you Facebook and messages and texting and pictures and conferences and conventions, <clears throat> preaching in churches and on and on it goes. At the end of the day, and here's the end of the day in verse 16, the nations have perished. The Lord is king. Done. They don't mean anything. Vote, do the right thing. Make your best choice. I'm not against that. I'm just saying, when the Y light is on, trust the great king. The Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. Do, to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. That man of the earth may oppress no more. And that is what men in their pride are doing. Oppressing others because they're taking, they can and they think they will survive. And it's not going to work. For us as Christians, <clears throat> the Lord God Almighty has given his son. The Lord Jesus came and said, look, I'll take care of the chaos. You trust me. My blood will wash away your sins. You trust me. My resurrection will get you home. Trust me. So when we get to this, to the end of it all, the why questions is continue to remember this. The Lord is king forever and ever. He hears our prayers. Go ahead and turn that video on. Get that car paper out because we're going to sing that hymn with this song here on the video. But talk to God about your why questions and trust Him. The Lord, He is King. He's King. Is it not working? Here it comes. Slow video.
pray. It's quite a song, you know, that I am the dark world's light. You know, Jesus is the light behind our why questions. If you're seeing the why light on, it's Him. He's there. Trust Him. Lord, we thank You for the night. We ask that You'd help us as we struggle in this life. Help us to trust You for it. We thank You, Lord, for salvation, rich and free, to all who believe and trust. Lord, as we go from this place, help us to walk with that trust and to continue to obey what we know. Lord, help us to see you in it all. In Jesus' name, amen.